Good morning, Sanctuary. Um, I was actually planning on being here this morning, and um, you have all are aware of the fact that this week our numbers in COVID have gone up um, very, very high. And uh, because I'm a person that has three or four of those pre-existing conditions the CDC talks about, and the CDC says if you're a person like me that even with social distancing and masks, you shouldn't go into public spaces like that. So, I mean, I sort of follow that. I, if I'm disappointing you by following the CDC, okay, but uh, I'm going to do that. So I want to talk about hope today because especially when you're in scenarios where you're not in control, it can be kind of discouraging. And uh, things like this pandemic or things that don't seem to change is often as you'd like them to change or as quickly as you'd like them to change or they don't seem to change at all, you can quickly move into hopelessness. And um, things can become long and uh, dreadful, right? The idea of hope is this sense that, that something good is on the way. Oh, Roberts used to famously say, um, something good is going to happen to you. And uh, I just think that it's, Thinking that way and living that way, this idea that something good is coming is such a better way to live than living in dread. Um, where hope gets challenging is uh, when fear begins to present itself in your life. Fear is an ugly thing. Fear of loss, which is of, of anything, relationship, finances, um, wherewithal of just the kind of life that you have. When you start losing stuff like that, it grates at your soul um, and it causes fear. Uh, it's rooted really in the fear of death. Um, the, the scripture says in Hebrews 2, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil and that Jesus might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Listen how the text says that. The Hebrew writer goes, the fear of death makes you a slave. There's some ways in which fear does, just does that. You feel bound up. You feel controlled. You feel like you have no power. Um, 2020 has given us lots of reasons to be fearful. I mean, you've got the pandemic, this novel virus. You've got financial uh, uncertainty that seems to be just on the, uh, for many in their real lives and on the horizon for others. Um, social unrest, sort of a combative political um, environment. Uh, lots of plots and conspiracies and blame games, right? Uh, which constitute lions and tigers and bears, oh my. It turns out that, that fear is connected in ways with hope. And in a way, if you have a coin that on one side is hope, on the other side, it's fear. And um, one of the ways that folks deal with fear, is, if they don't deal with it directly, is it's to abandon hope. Um, if you hope for something, it's easy to get afraid that it won't come. Or if you're hoping something will stay, it's easy to get afraid that you'll lose it, right? So they're connected. And, and if you have less hope, fear 
ends up being lessened in your life. So then you just put your head down and you hold your breath and uh, you get numb inside. And then what enters is dread. Um, and you kind of enter the world of wishing. There's a text in Deuteronomy 28 that uh, says, uh, so this is when they would, the children of Israel, they would get in spaces, the warning was where, where they would lose their hope. And uh, the writer goes, so your life shall hang in doubt before you, and you will be in dread night and day, and you'll have no assurance of your life. In the morning, you'll say, oh, I wish it were evening. And in the evening, you'll say, boy, I wish it were morning because of the dread of your heart, which you dread, and for the sight of your eyes, which you see. That's the danger of fear and quashing hope. It's just that space of dread. But God wants us to live in hope instead, not dread. And even our faith, our very faith, depends on that understanding. You remember the Hebrews text, Hebrews 11, where the scripture says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I mean, even if they're not seen, there's this idea you're hoping for a situation to be emerged or to emerging situation. But the trick um, of this hoping that I think sometimes folks really miss, I know I miss it, is that hope is not really rooted in things or in circumstances changing. They're not just, it's not limited or connected to that, uh, that we want things to be better for us. Hope is connected to something else. The psalmist says it in Psalm 42 and five, and he says to himself, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become so disquieted or disturbed within me? He says, put your hope in God. <laughs> See, we're not, not simply to hope that this or that changes, we're simply to hope in the person of God. Um, but we kind of like to hope in particular things, you know, that the pandemic will be over soon or that our relationships will be wonderful or, you know, maybe if you don't have children, you hope that maybe you'll have children or um, that your children you have will be perfect, um, that you'll be able to start that business or, or be able to get back to the things, get back to things the way they were before some of the issues of this pandemic have hit. I mean, all those kinds of things. They're nice things. But the scripture is explicit. We're not to put our hope in things, that things will change and keep thinking, well, what can I do to make them change? And God, will you do this so they change? We're not supposed to connect our hope to change. We're supposed to connect our hope to God. The good news is that God is good. Um, the not so good news is we can't see God and we can't pretend to know what God is up to or how much time God will take. There's, there's some sort of a, a presence of darkness in this business of faith. We don't see through the glass clearly. We see through a glass, uh, Paul says, darkly or dimly. Um, there's darkness here. In Psalm seven or 97 and 2, it speaks of God saying, clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Um, we know he's good, but we just don't know all that's going on. We don't know his timeline of things. We don't know exactly what the outcome of God's goodness is, even though we believe it's God is good. 
We don't know the when it will happen, right? When things will change. I have felt over the last number of weeks in my heart as I prayed for the church and prayed for you guys and I prayed for just what's going on, I have felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit in my heart because I've sensed a little bit of despair, a little bit of, ah, this is so long. Um, and, and that God wanted me to to rethink the way I think <laughs> about time and the way I think about things that I want to change, how they change, right? Um, and how God's people over history have done it. I mean, you think about Abraham, who God hits up, you know, and talks to and challenges and calls, 75 years old. And one of the central keys of the promise was, I'm going to give you a child. And um, he does get the child, but he's 99 when that happens. 20, you know, four years. It's a long time. And when you read the stories of the Bible, when God says to Abraham, your children are going to go into slavery. Okay, great. I mean, I mean, not so great, but how long? 400 years. And then you read about Babylon and how the children of Israel are taken away from their home and all their stuff, and they're in Babylon, and they're there for 70 years. And then you, you read about the last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first appearing of Jesus, 400 years years. I mean, it seems that God isn't as attached to time the way that I am. And uh, God doesn't seem to be as concerned to meet human expectation and human timelines as I think we would like God to do and to be. I mean, God is so un-American in this regard, right? <laughs> Americans want it to be done quick. And, and uh, in our mind, uh, there's fast, which is good, and faster, which is better. What we do know, irrespective of the fact we don't know exactly what's doing or happening or exactly how fast God will do it, is we do know that God is the God who gives life to dead things. And that God is the God that calls into being things that do not exist the Latin phrase is ex nihilo. In other words, out of nothing, God brings things. Uh, that's where our hope is supposed to rest. In this God who gives life to dead things and in this God who calls into being what doesn't exist right now. There's no way to search for it. It doesn't exist. And God brings it. The hope in God's goodness and the hope in God's ability to bring death or bring life into dead things and something out of nothing, this is what hope is supposed to be attached to. Um, that means that on some level, our whole spirituality anticipates surprise <laughs> that this business of trusting God has embedded in it this expectation of surprise. We don't know what exactly he's doing. We don't know when exactly God will do it. Um, I just wanted to give you one Bible sampler of this. I've already mentioned this guy, Abraham. But let me read the text to you uh, when God is speaking to Abraham about this new life he's going to enter in with God. And because Abraham follows God, he's called the father of our faith. And that, and it, I'm reading a text from Paul who says, this is who we emulate. This is how we're to live. And the text is from Romans 4. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. And so that the promise 
might be sure to all the seed, talking about through Abraham, not only to those who are of the law, but also are those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is our father, the father of faith for us, those of us who are believers. And it says, as it is written, God told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, whom Abraham believed, God, watch, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, there was everything that was going on looked hopeless, but contrary to that, in hope Abraham believed so that he became this father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So there's this idea that Abraham is hearing this promise from God, but doesn't know exactly how God's going to pull it off, how, what that's actually going to look like. In fact, if you remember the story, God thought, well, maybe it's through my, um, through Lot, you know, um, that this would be a fulfillment, very natural. Just He was trying to piece this all together. But, but the point is, is that Abraham, not knowing exactly how God was going to pull this off and not knowing exactly what it would look like, trusted in the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that don't exist. Hope does this. It just focuses on the God who makes dead things undead, which is a great Halloween kind of idea. Um, he's the God who causes what does not exist to show up, <laughs> which means he's still the creator. We don't hope this will happen or that will happen in the hopelessness of this or that not happening. Um, we put our hope in God. It's hope against hope, is how one version puts it. Internally, we get ready for surprise. This is Isaiah 43. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. What if that's what's going on? What if right now in the heart of God, God is imagining new things for his community, new things for the world? What if God's working on stuff in places that are clouded with darkness and we can't quite see it? We don't know exactly when it's going to show up, but we, our hope is in that he's doing it so that we're not thrown by what's happening. We're not just getting in despair. We don't get rid of hope so that we can not have fear. We just, we, we understand there's hopelessness. But in spite of the hopelessness, we look in hope to a God who still creates stuff. And even when stuff dies, he can call it back to life. What if that's true? <laughs> who knows how long this pandemic business is going to go on and torment us or if we'll be permanently altered in our the way that we socialize who knows when our kids get back to playing and being normal at school enjoying sports and dance and all that kind of stuff hanging out with each other without masks without social distancing i mean who knows if our economy will be as strong as it was before i don't know i mean there are no guarantees to such things it, it, it may get more hopeless in regard to some of those things um, than we want it to get. What makes us different as Christ followers is that in hopeless places, we hope. When hope has no footing, we hope. Um, when the conditions are against hope, we long patiently 
for the God who surprises. I, I know there are people in our um, context in the world, in the church, that look at things like that and they say, you know, just need to pray against this and we have authority over this. And I get that some of that is true in some ways. But I, you have to be careful with that stuff. Um, you don't want to join the Beyond the Bible Club, right? I mean, our trust is not in so much in ourselves being strong in faith. Our trust is in the person of God. And the sure thing that we have is in Romans 8, and I'll end with this. Romans 8 says, um, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So in all things, even in the stuff we're facing, God's at work. Yes, it's in darkness. Yes, we don't know exactly what it is. Uh, no, we don't know when things will come out as good as they're going to be. We don't get all that, but we know God. And then, and then Paul continues in the face of, 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 uh, of some of the heartache that was around him with the people he knew. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword? We could add, or the pandemic, or the loss of income. He goes on, as it is written, for your sake, God, we face death all day long. Think of that statement. But we are, we are, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, this God who calls dead things to life and brings something out of nothing. Nothing can separate us from this God, this love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what are you gonna do? Where are you going to put your hope? I mean, is all this stuff wearing you out? Um, is it all dreadful? Gosh, I, I, I'm honest with you, I totally get that. But I, something is bubbling in my heart. Something of the Spirit is bubbling in me, and I believe it's here for you right now. It's the cry of the psalmist which I read earlier. Why are you in despair? That's what I've been asking myself. Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Why am I disturbed within me? And then the psalmist said, put your hope in God. Amen. <laughs>